This is a GRDC podcast. Rainfall predictions. We think we know how to interpret them, but do we really? Hello, I'm Tony Crowley. Weather forecasts, and in particular rainfall forecasts and their decile ranges, are actually very complicated, which is why the Regional Cropping Solutions Network in WA's Esperanceport Zone believes grain growers need more information on how to best interpret these forecasts to take full advantage of what is crucial information. Deb Bishop went to the Bureau of Meteorology's Perth headquarters for answers, and the Bureau's spokesperson, Neil Bennett, provided them. There are very many timescales for forecasts. Uh, we, we have forecasts that go out to a three to six month period, um, but we also tighten it right down to almost a, a three hourly period. So it does depend very much on where we're at in, in terms of the actual grain uh, growing environment. But if we're looking at a seeding plan, and one would assume that you're probably somewhere in the one to two day period, Really, the Bureau's flagship product is something called METI. This provides us with a forecast for every six kilometres across the whole of Western Australia. And within that six kilometre square, you're able to get forecasts of rainfall for every three hours, sometimes out to seven days. Um, And then you can use that as a planning tool. Uh, That's really the thing. But then we get right down to the nitty gritty, then we can start to use the radar, um, which is a fantastic tool for detecting when the rain is actually going to arrive. So then we're down to one two-hour time steps for forecasting. So we can go all the way out from six months, um, looking at the climate outlooks, um, all the way down to one to two-hour time steps. Okay. So as a grain grower, checking the rainfall forecast so I can plan to sow my crop, what do you say I should be thinking about when I look at the forecast and, and the way that you're detailing it in regards to rain? The key thing with the forecast for us is to try and every time we push a forecast out there's a degree of uncertainty to it and the further out you go the greater that uncertainty is. We have a cut off at seven days which is when we start to use what we call a deterministic forecast. That's when we're giving you hard numbers and telling you when we think the rain is going to fall. Beyond that we use a probability style forecast which tells you what the likelihood of you being above or below a certain threshold is. But if we're out at one week, what we'd like you to do is to start checking that forecast and then see how that's going over the next two to three days. If there is a consistency within that forecast, that means that we're pretty confident. And then you can start to really hone in from about day four with a good deal of certainty about what we're talking about. Um, It has to be remembered that some of the rainfall features that we're looking at for, for winter, for example, for the grain season, we're talking about cold fronts that are moving in. If we're talking about a seven-day forecast, that cold front doesn't even exist. It's not even on charts. We can't look to South Africa, which a number of people keep saying. If you look to South Africa, you can follow it across. It doesn't work like that. We can see features developing in a two- to three-day time frame on our coast. So this is a thing that we're looking at. So if people just check the forecast on a daily basis and just see if it's starting to show some consistency. That's the key element. So you mentioned the winter outlook there, but should seasonal outlooks be interpreted in a similar way? The seasonal outlooks are slightly different. So what we're looking at there is to to look at what are the probabilities of you seeing above or below average rainfall. Um, They're they're increasingly falling into line with the way that we do the uh, one to seven day forecast. They use what we call numerical weather prediction rather than in the past 
using what we called a statistical approach. What did a season like this look like previously and what happened? That's the statistical approach, the analogue approach. It's much more sophisticated now, but still the climate outlook is a probability. The climate outlooks are a very, very good basis for thinking what's the season ahead going to be looking like because we have a strong El Nino, La Nina, we have a weak one, uh, we have no real climate driver going on at all. So you could probably base it on what is the longer term average for your particular location. Now there are some less experienced and particularly younger growers in the industry now. What's your advice to them on interpreting bomb weather maps? So you know, perhaps the interaction between trough lines and barometric pressure, things like that, because it, it can look a bit technical. <laughs> Um, increasingly, um, the way that the weather forecasts are being presented now, they're actually giving you the solution without you having to look at those charts. Uh, certainly for the old timers, uh, there was still this, this look at the weather chart and, and using relationships between winds coming from a certain direction and then two days later something would happen. Um, but increasingly now with our numerical weather prediction, there's, there's really not so much of a need for that. But it is still uh, a good thing to be able to understand uh, how pressure patterns um, drive weather systems. So with a high pressure system sitting in the bite during the summer season um, with very str- uh, with a large number of lines to the north of that pressure system, you're going to get very strong easterly. So obviously you're going to get hot conditions. Um, but then in the winter months when you see a lot of lines coming down from the northwest, there's a lot of wind associated with that, and that's very often a, a good indicator of what we would describe as a strong cold front, which is uh, a cold front where there is a large temperature difference between the cold air behind the cold front and the warm air ahead of it. And if you get that large temperature gradient very often, you can you can see a decent amount of rain. So there is some, some value in that, but the numbers that we're crunching and providing in our Metai forecast are probably more valuable than trying to do this by yourself but it's always good to have some local knowledge under your belt. Coming back to rainfall, as an example, if the bomb forecast says there's a 90% chance of zero to six mils of rain in a district, what does that actually mean for growers? So those rainfall forecasts can be quite confusing. Um, So we have to break it down. So the the 90% chance is telling us what the likelihood of there being of at least 0.2 of a millimetre. And we choose 0.2 of a millimetre because that's the smallest amount that our rain gauge can measure. So the percentage chance is telling us how much of a chance there is of at least 0.2. What we then look at is uh, the the amount, and that's where those two figures come from. There are a range of rainfall amounts that could possibly uh, fall. So you, you have a rainfall pattern that's coming, and you know if you have a, a 90% chance of 0.2 of a millimetre, when you get the the bigger amounts, that chance decreases. Um, so if you were to say there's a 90% chance of 0.2 millimetres in this particular event, there may only be a 2% chance of 150 millimetres, for example. So those ranges is what we're looking at. And so what we try to do is to make them a little bit more accessible and we go to what is the most likely, the 50% chance, and then what is the upper end of that and we're going out now to around about a 25% chance. So in the example that you give us we're looking at a 50% chance of a lower number and then a 25% chance of the higher number. But there is a 90% chance of there being at least 0.2 of a millimetre. 
So it, it is very, very com complex um, and we do our very, very best, which is why sometimes you can see a uh, 50% chance of no rain. <laughs> so what that's basically saying is there's a 50% chance of 0.2, um, but when you get to how much is that range, it's going to be less than 0.2 at the 50% mark and certainly less than 0.2 at the 25% mark. Okay, so, so let, let me pin you down here. What is the actual chance of getting some rain rather than no rain? Because clearly this sort of knowledge would affect the decision making, especially in a dry year. So the number that we're looking at in the forecast is the percentage number. If we say there's a 50% chance of rain, that means that there is a 50% chance of at least 0.2 of a millimetre. There's also 50% chance of none. If we say 80% chance of some rain, that's telling us that there's an 80% chance of 0.2 of a millimetre and a 20% chance of none. So obviously the higher the number, the, the more likelihood there is to be rain. But the bottom number that we're looking at is always 0.2. And then we have the ranges. And we do this for a point. We do it for a point inside a six kilometre box. Uh, so it's the centre of that box. And when you go to Metai, you can see that given to you in a graphical sense. You can see what those numbers come out in a graphical sense. And that's what we would encourage people to do. Rather than looking at the district ones, which is averaging over a much, much broader area. If we're talking about the central wheat belt, we would be averaging over a huge area. Whereas if you're down to six kilometer grids, which is what we can do, then you're almost getting a almost your own personalised weather forecast. All of this applies across the whole country. Um, we, we're able to segment the country down into these six kilometre boxes, and in some states we're even down to three kilometres for uh, Victoria, for example. And these are the big steps that we're hoping to make in the future. But certainly at the moment, the METI is, is available for the whole country. Neil, take me through how deciles should be viewed, historically or, or predictive. One of the things that Bureau uses a lot is deciles, the departure from the normal. Um, any statistical analysis has a typical bell-shaped curve where you have the most number of occasions of something happening being in that middle at the top of the, of the bell. So when we're talking about dry conditions, we're talking about this being in the lowest tenth decile and then we can go down into the lowest second decile and things like that. So that's where we're talking. It's a, it's a distribution of the likelihood of an event occurring. So if we're talking about at the highest end, this is up at the 99th decile, so that's one of the heaviest rainfalls we've ever recorded. Or if it's down in the 1% in the decile, that's in the lowest that we've ever recorded. And then we do have the lowest and the highest. So it's trying to encompass all of the ranges that we've measured. Bottom line is... The low number deciles are not good news because that's very, very low rainfall. And then we colour code that, obviously. And unfortunately, uh, as it has been in the case for the last couple of years, certainly in New South Wales and Queensland, there's an awful lot of red on our graph, uh, on our charts, and similarly in parts of Western Australia as well. So it has been a prolonged dry spell that we're experiencing. What would your advice be then to growers? Can they use decile maps? That, is there any use for them as a prediction tool? The way forward is likely to be for a grower. This is where I'm currently at with my rainfall. Where does that sit in the long-term average? Is that above or below? And then if I want to have a bumper crop, you know, I need to get X millimetres in the next three months. How's this going to play if I don't get anything? 
and then you've got that range. And I think it gives them an historical basis on the prediction of where their season may end. Um, so they are very useful, yeah. Because the Bureau's weather stations can only provide data for their immediate location, how should grain growers interpret forecasts of weather events such as frost? I mean, I know right now we're gripped in heat. Frost, though, is a, a critical issue for many of our growers. The, the forecast for frost is done basically the same way for any of the elements that, that we're forecasting for, be it wind or rain. And whilst it's important to get the, the information from all of these ground stations, it, it doesn't mean if you don't have a weather station there that you don't get the forecast. Uh, we use many, many different types of platforms to give us those forecasts. And if we're going to predict frosts, we've used multiple platforms to give us the information to come up with that. Um, so it's important because you can monitor the, the actual conditions at your location, but the forecast that's being predicted is taking in a huge array of information and it's not relying on just one little factor such as the ground station at your particular location. What tools are available to assist grain growers with interpretation of rainfall and weather information generally? Uh, the Bureau's website is absolutely gargantuan. Uh, it has a huge array of information in there. Every piece of data that we've had for rainfall records in the country from stations that are open to stations that are closed are available. Uh, you just need to go into the climate data online and you can pull all this information down. You can start to cross-reference uh, on previous years. You can look at that. Um, our rainfall forecasts can be served to you in a graphical sense um, or you can get your point forecast by going into METI and seeing in the next three hours for a period of two days how much rain is going to fall at that particular location. So there is a vast array of information there. And then we've also got our climate outlooks as well. Um, and then we produce videos um, every week about the outlooks. And the outlooks have now changed so that we've got outlooks coming out on a weekly basis as well. And they run now from one, two weeks out to three to four months. So you've got all of this information available to you it will tell you what is the likelihood of you being above 100 millimetres in the next three months or um, what is the chances of you being above or below average. So there is a, there's a huge amount in there, yeah. Now, is a sophisticated weather station with telemetry capability likely to become more common on a farm than a windmill? I think the way things are going, um, we are going to see an enormous explosion in the sort of data that people will be collecting and sending. Um, you, you've now got the ability in, in the big machinery to have GPS to be, have accuracies down to centimetres. Um, there is no reason on earth why you couldn't have sensors attached to equipment um, as you're moving around the paddock. Small little drones going up. Um, maybe in the future they will have infrared sensors and they can detect heat. Um, so subsoil moistures are becoming more and more a critical element and there are some very sophisticated weather stations out there so I think they are going to become something so rather than just the single rain gauge and the windmill uh, I think farming now is becoming so sophisticated that an array of, uh, of instruments are going to be available but as time goes on you know we're going to see more and more of this information being fed into a central hub within the farm 
um, and then they can pull that from other from other farms in the network. So small little networks will be built up as well, and they in turn will feed feed into a bigger network. Uh, the radars that we have now are far more sophisticated than they were 10, 15 years ago. Uh, satellites are becoming more and more sophisticated as well. So there's this massive increase and in explosion, if you like, of data, uh, which will drive improvements in weather forecasting. So looking into that crystal ball, what can grain growers expect to see from the Bureau in the, in the very near future, you've, you've just enlightened us to a few things there, that will actually benefit agricultural production around Australia? What we'll be looking now as we move forward into the next five years, I think, is to have a greater interaction with, uh, with the farming groups, with agronomists, and, and to see exactly what it is that they need. Now, that may be that we'll be able to go out and, and start to give briefings on a monthly basis or, or maybe a weekly basis. We don't know, but the, the opportunities are opening up for us in that field now. BOM's also involved in the National Forewarned, Forearmed Project. What, what is BOM's involvement? How do you see it's going to assist grain growers and, and their advisors, the agronomists and the like? Well, I think as, as we're moving on into the, into the future, we're, we're going to start to be able to, to provide heads up. Um, so obviously right now the, the country is in, is in the grip of one of the worst bushfire seasons that we've ever seen. But two months before the bushfires, we were able to provide briefings to the, the bushfire authorities, uh, not just in Eastern Australia, but in WA as well to alert them that this, this was a potentially bad season coming up. The, the way forward for us is to, is to gain intelligence about what people require and then for us to be able to give them the information that they need to mitigate against some of the, uh, some of the worst impacts that weather can throw at them. We've talked about seasonal outlooks, uh, forecasting from day to day, month to month. What about climate change and where do you see the role of the Australian Bureau of Meteorology with grain growers looking that far forward and perhaps even quite immediately in regard to climate change? The, the climate change issue is, is a significant one and many, many grain growers, certainly in southwestern WA, have now come to realise that what we were saying 10 or 15 years ago is coming to fruit. Um, we, we've seen this drying trend, we've seen this warming trend as well. So the Bureau, we feel, has a strong part to play in this and it's more in terms of explaining why uh, and letting people know what is happening so that they can adapt their farming practices. And some of the farming practices that are being adapted are now world class, um, but it's based on information that the Bureau has provided them over the years. So into the future, where do you see the role of the Australian Bureau of Meteorology and grain growers? Clearly there's an intrinsic partnership there that's critical to the needs of, of both. Well, I think the key thing is, is the word partnership. Uh, for us to fully understand what grain growers need and what sort of information grain growers require, what are the key elements, when are the key elements required, when is the rain required, when do you need to to know when to harvest, what what are the critical elements for you for harvesting and all of those sorts of factors. So I think the, the, the relationships that we can form with the grain growing groups is going to be absolutely critical going forward. So your message to grain growers generally in regard to where we are today, where the climate's heading in the future? The the key message that comes out from all of the research and all of the, um, all of the measurements that we've been taking is that there is a drying trend. Um, we don't see a return to rainfall patterns from the 1940s, for example. We also see an increase in uh, temperatures as well. There's been, a, there's been a warming trend. And again, we don't see a return to conditions from uh, the early 20th century. But what that 
doesn't say is that every year will get drier and every year will get hotter. There are likely to be fewer wetter years for grain growers and fewer colder days for grain growers. But every now and then they will get that. And really the key for them is that when they do get a good year and they've had a couple of good years, they make the maximum benefit from that. And so the tools that the Bureau can provide them with in terms of their forecasts and their outlooks should enable them to make maximum use of the, the precious resource that is water. Neil Bennett, Media and Communications Manager at the Bureau of Meteorology in Perth, and he was speaking to Deb Bishop. And if you're not aware of the Bureau's online weather observations and forecast tool, METI, which is one word, M-E-T-E-Y-E, it's worth a look. METI covers all locations in Australia, uses a blend of model data, the latest science, technology and expert input from BOMS meteorologists, and it gets updated twice a day. If you found this GRDC podcast informative, why not share it around, because others will also find it interesting. I'm Tony Crowley.